Let's quiet our hearts before we come in prayer before the Lord. Dear Father, another week, Lord, has passed in our journey, and we are blessed because our journey is secure. It is known. The way of Christ is there. His promise and his hope is everlasting, and he is preparing a place for us. We thank you for the love, the care, the provision, and the spirit that you have given us to encourage us, to exhort us, to lift us up on the way, and to stay faithful to the calling and the place that you have placed us in. At this time, we turn our eyes upon ourselves, and we have to admit, Lord, that we have fallen short into loving yourself with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Maybe we even missed things that you desired us to do, and we didn't do them. So we thank you, Lord, that as we ask forgiveness, you assure us that that forgiveness we have in Jesus Christ. As we turn to look into our spiritual mirror, and we look to see if we grow in the image of Christ, we also ask that your hand and your spirit will continue to be at work so the word that you give to us will be written on the tablets of our hearts and minds. Lord, search us before we approach your table later today. Continue to be with us as a token of thanksgiving. Lord, to you, please, as we present a gift, an offering, may be used for the ministry that you have here and for the expansion of your kingdom around the globe. At this time, we also pray for your spirit to continue to be at work in our families, in our marriages, to give us strength with our daily routines and not to lose sight of that which you call us to. So, Lord, would you feed us through your word today in a way, Lord, that we could hear your voice above and beyond what I say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we usually have a Bible reading plan. If this is your first time with us, the Bible reading plans are in the back. Over there you can pick them up. We usually read one or two chapters a day. And for the rest of the week we follow uh, that reading. So on Wednesday nights we usually... Uh, uh, teach on something that you have read. Sunday schools follow the same pattern. And usually on Sunday mornings as well, except for the first Sunday of each month when we have the Lord's Table. And what we've been doing with the Lord's Table is we've been looking at uh, spiritual disciplines. There's nothing you can do about yourself to be born of the Spirit of God. There's nothing you can do about being baptized with power from a high with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you ought to be filled with the Spirit and encouraged as you come into the worship place and you interact with the Spirit of God. You ought to be fed as you hear God's Word being preached or taught to you. Well, then you ought to ask the question, what is my responsibility then as a spiritual person? And that is where the spiritual disciplines of 
formation come into place, that you have a responsibility to be formed by the Spirit of God. Um, today we're looking at the ninth one. I've left the very first one for the last. This is obviously the biggest one. And it is, uh, let's go to the first slide. It is living as a worshiper. We also have a, a, a custom here to do God's reading out loud. So if you could please stand with me as we read a couple of verses together. This comes out of John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. You may be seated. So let's go to the next slide. Um, actually, the one that you put earlier with all the nine disciplines. So what we have done so far is we have looked at the spiritual disciplines, some of them that you will routinely look at at a, a, at a longer interval, and some of them they may be daily. And the first one we looked at was actually celebrating the Lord's table. Uh, we also looked at living in the power of your baptism, feeding on God's Word, walking in the spirit of forgiveness, maintaining integrity of heart, abiding in the fullness of the Spirit, living a life of submission, practicing solitude, and today we're going to look at living as a worshiper. This would be the 10th discipline because I left the first one to teach it in the last day because it's something that you will constantly struggle with for your life. But there's nothing greater in your life than to live as a worshiper. Many of us uh, think that the purpose of the church is to to fellowship. That's not true, but many of us do. Some people think that the purpose of the church is to make disciples, which is true. That's partially true. Some people say is to share the gospel, which is true, but that is not the purpose. The purpose of the church and the purpose of a Christian is to enjoy God and to worship Him for forever. So if you have repented, so the gospel did not come for you to say, Oh, I received the gospel, so now I have eternal life. <laughs> That's a very selfish way of looking at it, and you're in danger. I, you know, I'm saved, that's it. I can live my life. No, the gospel propels you now to truly be a worshiper of God. Actually, we will realize the, the, the closer and the more intimate we get with God is that God is jealously seeking the spirit that he has placed within us and this spirit he's trying to form in such a way that it will bless him and serving him the spirit of god doesn't bless you to say oh look how good of a person i am i'm smart i'm this way i'm that way uh, 
You know, I'm not as sinful as that person. I'm better than that. I used to have that issue, but look at me now. You know, uh, look at that sinner. I fast and pray three times a week. You know, I give a third of my earnings to the church. I'm better. That's not why the Spirit of God is given to you. That's not why God will form us. Formed by the Spirit doesn't just mean inwardly. You cannot be formed unless you're part of a community. Being formed by the Spirit means you have left a life of division and individualism. And you as a broken piece are being put together within a community a kingdom of God. And that does not come without having a calling. So just as you have been saved, you are also called. I know many of you have come to me and says, Pastor, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I don't know what my calling is. That ought to be clear for you when you come to the Lord. It comes by Practicing life as a worshiper. So let's go to the next slide and understand what does it mean to worship. What is to worship? Just look at the word worship. What do we... If you... To put worth on something or someone... To bow down before someone. To serve. What else would you say worship is? Just look at the dictionary. I really like the word worship because it's the combination of two English words. And English being my fourth language, I'm glad I don't know it as well as you do. So what is the two words that compromise worship? Worth and ship. So ship is what? Is the driving mechanism of the gospel. Right? Paul... When he speaks to the king, to the Jewish kings, he says he is a slave, a galler on the very ships that came from Rome and they took over. They crossed the Mediterranean and they took over the Middle East. So he knew about those galley ships and he hated them very much. Paul identifies himself as one of those rowers in chains. Right? It is the cross of Jesus that takes out of the sea, the world. That is the uh, biblical picture of the sin of the world, the sea. It is the, through the cross that you're pulled on the ship and now you're placed. This ship is moving, but you're worshiping, you're serving. And you know what the image is? If you watch Charlton Heston, old movie, his, what was the name of that movie? Ben, oh, so some people have watched old movies. Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur is that movie. Uh, what happens? How do they pull? Well, someone gets sick. You know because you have to pull harder. Someone's not doing well on your row. It messes the whole thing up. But and there's a guy who beats the 
drum. This is how intimate it is that you and I need to get to the place where a worshiper, where we need to hit the heartbeat of Jesus for the calling that he's placed us in. That's why you need spiritual formation. Because it helps you in your relationship with Jesus to be more intimate. Worthship. You have a duty on this ship and the gospel is there to save people, to, to place them on the ship, to have their duties. Jesus is the captain. You're saving and you're traveling where? Home. You have left your home in the ocean. You have said goodbye to your old life. You're traveling home. You are a stranger. We, we have people now putting a sticker on their cars with the word now and a cross through the O. Not of the cross stands for this world, not of this world. They're basically saying, hey guys, I'm one of those worshipers that's living on the ship of Jesus Christ. That is what they're trying to portray and the message that they're trying to give to the rest of the world. William Temple, have any of you have heard of William Temple? This is what he says about worship. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open the heart to the love of God. To devote the will to the purpose of God. Let's move to the next slide. Richard Foster. If you want to read a book that will help you with the disciplines called Celebrate of Discipline, uh, uh, go ahead and read it. But to worship is to experience reality. To touch life is to know, to feel, and to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of the gathered community. It is a breaking into the Shekinah of God. Or better yet, being invaded by the Shekinah of God. Now, with all of those definitions about worship, many people, when you say worship, do you know what they think about? The singing part or the praise time in church. Worship is much more than that. You cannot divide it from life or the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. But I got to tell you that there's something that will give us more information than words alone. Can you think of anyone from where the words even come forth? Who, who might that be? God himself. When we begin to center our God himself, we begin to learn a lot more. And I'll tell you what worship is within the kingdom. Worship is the very surrounding of God the Father at all times. Let me repeat that to you. Worship is not singing, is not serving. Yes, it is. It is a faint. But worship is the very surrounding at all times of God the Father. He is nonstop being served and praised by the angelic 
and the people who are in heaven. We get a faint copy, resemblance of this eternal true reality. Worship is the very environment that surrounds our Holy Father at all times. So do you think living as a worshiper ought to be one of our spiritual formation disciplines? If he is non-stop, that's the environment that is surrounding non-stop, and you and I are on a journey to get in that very presence? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Oh, if the kingdom of God is at hand and that's a kingdom reality, it ought to be a reality as well. A taste of that reality here and now. Do you see how great and awesome God is? You don't even need him to speak. His very presence speaks on the things around you louder than anything else. Because everything originates with God. Let's move to the next slide. Next slide, please. Here's a principle that one pastor has said. Worship is the ultimate priority of every believer. Now think about that picture that I showed to you. If you can't imagine that picture, see it through the apocalyptic writing, which is supposed to be like a movie. When the Father appears in the fourth chapter of Revelation, what happens? The angels are falling down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The 24... Uh, you know, uh, the myriads, everyone. Think of that picture and see that's the reality. It doesn't take a PhD or a rocket science scientist to say, worship is the ultimate priority of every believer. But it also doesn't take a rocket scientist to be in many churches to realize, I wonder if them being a worshiper is their ultimate priority. Huh. How come those realities don't match? Not only because God is worthy of our worship, but also because it is His designed means to arrange His entry into our personal world and into those circumstances where His sovereign workings have placed us. Worship in the capstone to the ten primary disciplines because it opens the doorway to God's superintendency and supernatural presence and power as the governing influences and purifying elements in all life issues. Worship is also the pathway into prayer, the all-encompassing discipline, and is prayer's essential point of entry to the Father and of faith into His almightiness. We're just reading through 1 Kings and 2 Kings. How does Elijah bring the phantom about? He prayed. 
the prayer entered into the chamber of his almightiness. There was famine and there was no rain for three years. He lived as a worshiper, yet he was homeless. He lived in a wealthy country, but he didn't have much. Let's go to the practice. Let's look at the practical aspect of this worship. Practical steps. Whom and why we worship. Whom do we worship and why? It's something that you prayerfully should look at on a regular basis. The priority of this worship for your life. You ought to take steps. If I'm worshiping God, how is that priority entering into the fact that I'm a mother? Into the fact that I'm a father, that I'm a husband, that I'm a wife, that I'm a worker? That I'm a neighbor? That I'm a member in the body of Christ? That I live in Anchorage? How does me worshiping God bring about His presence with me? Pastor, don't say that because now I'm going to go to every church. And if I don't see that, that's a bad church. Because if there's 2,000 people in that church and they're all bringing that presence of God, my goodness, what a church that might be. But you will experience it at home when God will answer your prayer and you yourself are being broken down by the Lord to be a worshiper and you can feed your own family first at home. Your own kids, your own wife. The preparation for worship. How do you prepare for your worship. You will say, oh no, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I need no preparation. Okay. Who's leading you into a life of worship? Are you being led? What are some steps that God is leading to worship? What are the fruits that you see as you're worshiping God? It is beautiful because you will not be able to answer those questions without a relationship. It is so beautiful because we do have the Word of God. And we do have the Spirit of God. But it is not information. The church is not an information center. The church is the living body of Christ, who he is at the head. So living as a worshiper means we are all coming here attentive to the head, to the communication center, to the one who rules over us and directs us. Why? So we can corporally function well. The hand moves because the head tells you so. Let's move to the next slide. 
It's a blank. Oh. oh. Yeah, he took my slides and formatted into his, so they're not the same. But anyway, bear with me. Worship now has two meanings. Who do we worship? Whom? It's very easy. An almighty God. Why do we worship? Simply because he's worthy. But this reality needs to be both personal and corporate. What does it mean to worship God personally? What does it mean to worship God personally? Do you know what worshipers say? God used me to do this. A worshiper will know when God uses you because the head is using you and you are the hand or the foot. Worshippers will be different. Why? They will not give you mental information, which is not bad. But they will give you testimonies of how they are used. You can memorize scripture, which is great. You can share that too. But when you begin to live in the area of practice and to be worshipped, when you don't just build a car and you put it up uh, where you build it and say, look at this car, how beautiful it looks. But you actually have to put it on the road and drive it. A worshiper is telling you how this car handles and where it went and what it did. The reason why I tell you, pay clear attention, because many churches, many organizations and spiritual heads of this state are wrong. This is very true, especially of Alaska. The problem in Alaska is not the ship and they, there's not enough evangelizing. Alaska is the most evangelized state, an Anchorage city by number of evangelists than any other city and state in the United States. And this is being used as a mechanism. The problem here is worship. At the very core, worship is the problem. The church is now living as a worshiper. I'm not going to name names, but I've gone around and I've asked. And for many of them who have many churches, the rubber has not met the ground yet. Let's ask a clean question. This church has been attempt, formed 1952, 53, who remembers? Sylvia, do you remember? 
Before your time, can you guess how many missionaries and pastors have come out of this church? Don't guess. Be silent. It's the best answer. The correct answer. Living as a worshiper. The Lord says, do not forsake assembling together. Why? Not for you to say, well, I got to go to church this Sunday. Oh, I'm going to this church. It's boring again. It's literally an information center. I would have been better off watching someone better preaching on YouTube or watching a football game or something. Playing video games. And if the sermon's long, I'm going to get hungry too. Why do you think the Lord said, do not forsake assembling together? Is because he's giving you a chance to come together to the people that you see because you are called as a worshiper to serve God here and to share how God is using you in your calling. Because that's not happening, we need to have a program. Look how beautiful it looks. We take time to make it even arty. We have time for art. <laughs> Worship. In assemblies... At appointed times, the Lord says, and as a discipline of the believer. Do you know why the Lord says assemble together? Because you assemble together because Ed Young's doing the same thing. And so is Jerry. And so is AJ. So they come together to pray. They come together to share their stories. They come together because two are stronger than, than one, than three. Because they're all pulling on the same ship on the same row. And they got to be in unison. That's why we're praying for Kathy. Because someone on the row now is not pulling and it's hurting us. And we're feeling and we, we're, we're, we're carrying on that weight. And we're interceding. We're pulling with her on the road. You intercede at the cost of your own life. You're in pain. You struggle. You refuse to eat and you tell God, I will put my life in danger to intercede on her behalf. And that's why some churches gather at 6 a.m. every morning to pray. And I say, well, that's just a routine. You know the churches who are doing that are growing? Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the Sabbath of Ham, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know what happens when you're a worshiper? You are on a ship and you see your end destination. 
Yeah, you know, your, 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 your health may fail. You may getting older, feebler. Uh, you know, things may happen, circumstances. But the destination is clear, is getting sweeter because it's getting, it's getting closer. And you sing about it and you pray about it. And your kid will say, wow, my dad is kind of crazy. But it's a testimony of that which they can see. That's why... You didn't know the definition of worship because you did not see that that's the very surrounding of God the Father at all times. And that is my highest priority in life. I'm a Christian. Everyone's worshiping, serving God. I'm a Christian. I'm doing my own thing here in the world. Well, I go to church on Sunday. How about that? I'll read some. It'll go in my mind for a little bit. But then I got my own life to live. It's the American dream after all. I work so I can play. Really? Into the community you were called. This is, have any of you heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Do you know when he died? 39 years old. Why? He was a professor here in the USA. And he said, I think I'm going to go back to try to put an end to Hitler. <laughs> and he did go back and he, they, Hitler found out. So he did away with the team that was trying to put it out. Can you imagine a Lutheran priest with a PhD going back to commit murder? I'm not going to blame him, but I'm going to say what he said. Into the community you were called. The call was not meant for, for you alone. In the community of the called, you bear your cross. You struggle. You pray. You are not alone even in death. And on the last day, you will only, you, you be, you be, will only one of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ. You cannot be a worshiper and not be part of a body. You cannot know your calling if you're not being used within the community of God. Two very simple things to begin with. You are a piece of God's body and you're being built. God is the potter, we are the clay. We become vessels of noble use. You need to be used. So when I said this, it's a vessel of noble use. That's what we are. Because God is the potter, we are the clay. You may not like what God is building into. Tell you what, most people want to be pastors these days. That cannot happen. If you strive in that direction, the most you can strive to be is an elder. Unfortunately, to be a pastor, you need to have a calling. 
And most pastors that I've met, and I have to admit I'm one of them, I did not want to be a pastor, and I thought God was making a mistake. Because I was a mathematician. I was introverted. I came to church a few minutes late. I left a few minutes early so I don't talk to people. And I love the Lord. I said, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be a mission field. When God called me to be a pastor, I thought it was a joke. God forgive me for even using that language. Because the first time I had to recite a poem in front of people, I peed on myself and passed out. So I said, how can I preach? How can this, this cannot happen. It cannot be worse of a mistake. I don't like to read. I don't like to write. Give me a math solve, problem to solve or let me go play sports. I, I, it couldn't be any worse. I, I couldn't possibly think of anything worse that could happen. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letter says, The church is only a historic, institutional, traditional, man-concocted idea, and going every week is a human invention. Or the church I attend is so dead and boorish. Jesus preached in the fields, by lakes. He was out. But look what he did. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as this was his custom, that means he did it on a regular basis. He went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Jesus was being the church. But assembled together on a regular basis. To be used in the church. What is the connection between the two? There's two types of people. And this is the connection between those who are worshipers and those who are not. If you come to church and Jesus is alive to you or not. Jesus makes himself alive to us. Anywhere, not just the church. Guess what happens if Jesus is alive to you? And you personally come and sing and pray and dance and study. And go out and give and, and, and you know... Here's why I wrote down. Jesus makes himself alive to us anywhere. Come, sing, love, give, listen, serve, don't criticize, smile, cry, shout, praise, look past imperfect people to God, worship him, stop analyzing the limited skills of others, humble your heart, seek him with all your heart, and you will find him. And you will find them. 
There's a couple of places in the, in the Bible where the Lord says, unless you seek me with all of your heart, you shall not find me. Churches will come and will say, you know, we're a pretty good church. We're, we're a pretty good church. I tell you which is a pretty good church. Where you have a few people that this is a reality of their life. They have come to that place where they'll find God. And they bring that to church. You'll be blessed. That church will be blessed. You will be blessed. It doesn't mean that there will be people who don't find God, who are in trouble, who need, still need to experience the altar. But you'll bless them. Worship and stewardship. Let's move to the next slide. You don't have that slide with the callings, with the circles? Oh. Oh, okay. It's not showing on mine. Okay. Okay. Worship and stewardship. Giving, it comes with a cost. What do we give? Effort, energy, gifts, talents, money, possessions, service, and time. What is then worshiper? If you're a worshiper and those are the things that you give, what does it sound like? You are a possession. You are no longer your own. When you become a worshiper, you give the witness, I am no longer my own. What happens? How can you not be your own? Give me some practical terms. Give me some understanding on how I can improve. This is supposed to be a time when I improve in my relationship with Jesus. Let's look at Abraham. How did he improve his relationship with God? He went by faith. Yeah, trust. And then he built altars. What is our altar? Good question. 